For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Especially to a bad lineup like Cleveland, how the hell did they score 17 runs? Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I'm your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man whose first crush was Tootie from The Facts of Life, my brother Mike. Tootie could get it, I'm telling you. And Mrs. Garrison wasn't bad for uh, her age either, I'm telling you. She was a handsome woman. She was a handsome She was a handsome woman. For those of you too young to know what the facts of life is, it was a television show, kind of a sitcom, a bunch of girls seemingly growing up in a house. My memory is hazy as to why they all lived in the same house. Was it a girl's home? Did Were they all at work? I'm not Orphans, really sure. I don't remember either. I, I don't remember at this point, but uh, I'm pretty sure George Clooney made an appearance on the show at one point. So that's pretty much all it's known for at this point. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we'll get to the baseball. We have a few reviews to talk about first before we do that. We asked you to go out and submit, rate, review, subscribe, and all those things. We got a couple of reviews in response. Thank you to those who were willing to do that. For those of you who haven't, you're dead to us. Uh, no, no, we'll give you a second chance. We'll give you a second chance. Go subscribe, rate, and review now, and we'll, we'll read your review on the episode like we're about to for these two fine, upstanding Americans. Uh, first, we have Aaron from Topeka. Aaron, what's up? He's a fellow Bearcat, so that's that puts you that way up it, high on the exactly. You're, you're way up high on the scale right away. Puts him at a ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're way up there. So Aaron's a fellow Bearcat, Northwest Missouri State. He likes to hear about the team in an unapologetic fashion. He said, which is great because that's exactly what we're going for. We don't carry the team's water. We're not uh, publicists for the team. They don't pay us. If they want to pay us, we'll we'll carry their water. If they want to give us <laughs> money to say nice things about them, we'll do that. But they're not willing to do that at this point. So we're going to be honest. They got enough instead. people doing that already. Yeah, they got plenty of people <laughs> doing that. Uh, so we'll just be honest about them. Uh, he also wants us to keep up the minor league updates, which we're always going to do because Mike and I are both really interested in what's going on with the minor league team. For those of you don't know, we're also big fans of a website called Royals Farm Report. They also do a podcast. They do a great job covering the minor leagues. Way more extensive than the stuff that we can do. They have a whole team of people on who just focus on the minors. It's really great stuff. So you can also follow them as well. But we will keep up with the minor league updates so people can hear how all Asa Lacy and you know, all the good Nick AAA Prado hitters like Nick Prado, yep, he's hitting bombs right now, and all them. We'll we'll tell you how they're doing throughout the year as well. So thank you so much, Aaron from Topeka. We really appreciate it. We got another one. This guy's Derek from Omaha. I like the sort of model that they're following. Aaron from Topeka, yeah. Derek from Omaha. It's very <laughs> old timey and I love it. Um, I'm just going to read his because it's not actually that long. I had to find a podcast once the Royals left FS1. It's hard to keep up with 162 game seasons when you can only watch the nationally televised games, but these guys do a great job of adding the context you need when following box scores all season. That's great. That's yeah. exactly like why we created the podcast, really, because we realize that people can't watch every game, you know, and so we figured we give them at least a way to k- uh, stay updated with the team uh, if it's not something you can do. Now, we watch just about every game. Oh, um, I watch every game, <laughs> but uh, we, <laughs> I watch every game. And lives. If you have yeah. lives and you can't do that, uh, sometimes that's I tell what this people is for. Sometimes I tell people how many baseball games I watch in a summer and they look at me like I'm an insane person. No, I'm like, they're like, oh, you must really be a fan. You watch all 162. Uh, no, I watch like 250. 
like because you throw in minor league games and stuff like that. I watch a whole bunch. And so, yeah, it's it was a lot of baseball watching, but uh, at least our significant others hate us for it. So that's good. Yeah. And um, I love that they're from Topeka and Omaha because I have made an ass of myself in those towns multiple times. So mm-hmm. Mike's not allowed many, many establishments yeah. in those places. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. So thank you very much, Aaron. Derek, we really appreciate it. For the rest of you, go out there, subscribe, rate, review us. Be awesome like Aaron and Derek. We'll start our review of last week with the roster news. The Royals optioned Domingo Tapia and Emmanuel Rivera to sort of round out their opening 28-man roster. That means Colin Snyder, the relief pitcher, made the team, which was a little bit of a surprise to Mike and I. He did pitch well in spring training, but he has no previous major league experience and really got roughed up in AAA last year. He's already made an appearance for the team. We'll talk a little bit about that later. The Royals also designated for assignment Daniel Tillo, a relief pitcher, a lefty. That was a little surprising to me. They did that to make room for Bobby Witt Jr. on the 40-man roster. Tillo hasn't made any major league appearances, but he's a guy who has a lot of promise as a lefty reliever. I thought they may not DFA him because somebody might pick him up. He is, I think, still recovering from an injury at this point. Not 100% sure on that, but he is a guy who I think can be effective in the future. So hopefully he makes it through waivers and everything, and he'll still be available to sign or to go back to AAA and get some relief outings in there. They also put Joel Piomps on the family medical leave list. And so for now, he's on the family medical leave list. We'll see if he comes back. They have to make a decision on who they're going to keep in that bullpen. Might be him, might be Dylan Coleman, might be Colin Snyder. We'll see who ends up going down to AAA. I don't know if Piomps has any options left. I haven't checked on that. But for now, he's on the family medical leave list. Hopefully everything's okay with him and his family. This week, the Royals went two and one, which brings their overall record to two and one. They've only played three games. Uh, it was bad weather games with little offense for the first two games, then a nice day today with tons of offense from Cleveland, at least. We went out to the second game. That was a ton of fun. Got to see Brad Keller pitch really well and the defense play really well. Mike, what are you taking away from this week? What did you take away from our in-person look at the team? Well, I'm taking away from our in-person look. We got to hang out with two of our oldest friends, Mickey and I guess we'll call him Eric. We don't ever call him Eric. That's his name, though. And that was a good time. It was good to be back out at the K because uh, I went once or twice last year to, to games live, uh, but it was never with a, a group of friends. It was always either with my significant other or some other people. So it was really nice to get out there and see the see the team play and see the team win in exciting fashion. Now, I'm also not going to take too much from that third game. And I'll explain that a little bit more later, but um, it was good to see. I'm glad I wasn't there on opening day because it looked colder than. Oh, shit. man, looked miserable there. We actually so there have been three games. We picked the prime game to go to. We picked the perfect one to go to because it was warmer and nicer. It was fairly warm out that day and the team did not get crushed. They won. And so, <laughs> you know, we, we find, sort of threaded that needle real well. But yeah, I, I'm always reminded when I go to games that you can see things when you're at the game that you can't necessarily see on TV. So on TV, you, you sort of, you get the eye of the cameraman and that's, that's, that's all you can see. I was able to see some different things watching the team. You really, I get, I gained a much more appreciation for the athleticism of this defense being in person, I think, because you were just seeing outfielders, infielders moving and covering ground in ways that you really don't get to see all the time on TV. It was remarkable. They are going to be an amazing defense this year. They didn't play great defensively today. Nobody played well today, but Hopefully over the course of the 162, you'll see that athleticism really pay off in run prevention. We did have two decent games, pretty good games out of the Royals. So we had some strong performances this week. I went with Nicky Lopez as my strong performer of the week. He's played amazing right out the gate. 
He went three for six this week with one double, one RBI. He had a great defensive play on opening day and then a not so great defensive play today when he sort of, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. He sort of lazily tossed the ball to first and a guy beat it out. It was weird. It was a weird thing to see, but it wasn't a tremendous day defensively for Nicky Lopez. But overall, I think he's had a good opening week so far. Yeah, he's been important to scratching some of those runs across because we were yeah put down you know, a, put down an excellent sacrifice bunt too on opening day to to bring in the with the winning what would eventually be the winning run into scoring position and so yeah Lopez has done the little things he's done he's hit well he's been good so far probably our best player uh, of our of our position players uh, and I'm gonna go with uh, Brad Keller because he's the reason that we won uh, that second game the game that you and I were at uh, six innings pitched two hits. Five Ks and only one walk. And then I went back and I watched it live as well, because I think what you said is true, but the reverse of that is also true, especially if you're really trying to analyze performances. It's really tough to do it live (laughs) unless you just have great, great, great seats, like maybe right behind home plate. But I went back and watched the game on TV and the location of both of his fastballs was a big reason why he had so much success. The two-seamer down, four-seamer up. And I think you put out there somewhere. He didn't throw the four seamer as much, which is good. That's a good thing. And uh, he threw his change up a little bit more, which I didn't notice when I watched on TV, but it seems like the numbers kind of validate that that's a good idea for him. His slider was working down very well. Um, Yes, it's a bad Cleveland lineup, but you can only beat the team they put in front of you. So he, it was a vintage Brad Keller, maybe the best of what he can be in that start. Yeah, he did look the best of what he is. And I think it's the direct result of using that slider, making that slider his number one pitch. He was he threw it 33% of the time in his outing yesterday, as opposed to 30% for his fastball. That will change so many things for him. It's his best pitch. If he's going to get ground balls, it'll probably be on that slider because that's the one he can effectively locate down. That's the one that has a lot of downward movement. The fastball, when he's trying to locate it down, the four-seamer anyway, really has trouble. Guys can get underneath it. Guys can get elevation on that pitch. And so he, I like seeing him work that slider down, work that changeup down, work that sinker down and in some. And then really, if he's going to use the four seamer, throw it up in the zone because it's it's hard and it's effective, but uh, it works much better in that pitch mix. And when, and when you're watching a game, like even live, if you're not intently watching, you go, man, that four seam fastball is just smoking guys because he'll get swing and miss when oh, yeah, he's he got locates it well. You know, and he did that uh, yesterday. He was really able to. And the the thing you have to say is if it's not at the top of the zone, it needs to be out of the top of the zone. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't cheat it down because you're going to get rocked. So it was good to see that. I'm excited to see what he does moving forward because I don't know that we were really counting on a lot from him after what he showed last year. Yeah, there's some other guys who we maybe aren't going to be counting on much more uh, moving forward because they had some pretty bad weeks this week. And uh, I'm going to start because it was the entire 2018 pitching class for me. They pitched today. Sorry, not the entire because Daniel Lynch didn't pitch today. But three of the four from the 2018 pitching class had a real bad day today. That's Jackson Kowar, Brady Singer, and Chris Bubich had terrible days today. And as a result, they had terrible weeks because this was all they pitched this week. They gave up 16 earned runs in seven innings pitched today. That's right. You didn't hear that wrong. If you didn't see the game, they gave up 16 earned runs. 16. That's not a football score. 16 earned (laughs) runs in seven innings pitched today. A combined seven. Started with Bubich. He made it two-thirds of an inning. That was rough. Five runs. Kowar gave up seven earned runs in three and a third. He gave up 11 hits. 
11 hits in three and a third. Then Singer comes in later. This is after Gabe Spire gives up no earned runs in an inning two thirds. He looked fine. Uh, Singer comes in, gives up four earned runs in three innings, gets hit all over the park. It was bad. almost it was starts a fight. Very, very, I heard. Almost starts a well. <laughs> but I heard a great theory from David Lesky on Twitter, who was like, he so Singer hits a batter barely on the knee with a fastball, barely hit him. No big deal. I thought no big deal. Cleveland's bench starts chirping at him. Like he did it on purpose because the guy's having a really good day. It's Stephen Kwan. And good I'm like, series. what, yeah. why are they, why are they chirping at him? Like, obviously singer has no control over anything he's throwing right now. Like, <laughs> and so he hits Kwan, the bench starts chirping at him and, and Lesky's like, you know what? I'm guessing the bench doesn't think he actually threw at Quan intentionally, but they do think that he's easily rattled and 100% right. He didn't throw another pitch inside or maybe one more pitch inside his entire outing. He was rattled after that and he got roughed up. That's how it goes. You know, singer can get rattled. Okay. But the 2018 pitching st- pitching class or three of the four looked real bad this week. Yeah, it was, it was hard to see. Uh, another one that's hard to see because he's so beloved and we love him here. Salvador Perez uh, has yet to get on base. Uh, he's the only regular who hasn't reached base yet. So no walks, which is not surprising, but he hasn't had a hit yet. So I'm hoping the weather warms up and so does Salvi. I'm not worried about him because we've seen him produce offensively and get on some real, real heaters. So uh, I expect to see that. But yeah, it's tough to see when, you know, we're not scoring a whole lot of runs and Salvador Perez hasn't gotten on base yet. Yeah, he's easy to so he goes through these types of slumps at, at times. And when it looks bad at, from Salvi, it actually looks pretty, pretty bad, really bad because he doesn't walk, because he'll swing at bad pitches, because he'll hit a lot of infield fly balls. He hits a lot of pop ups and stuff. But yeah, he'll get on a heater at some point and just start rolling. That's sort of the Salvador Perez we know and love. For this week, Mike, what was your sort of theme? What are you taking away from the week, which was a really imbalanced, two very exciting, very close wins and one complete blowout? Um, as the pitching goes is what my, my theme is this week. And you can maybe even uh, amend that to as the starting pitching goes, because I think we feel pretty comfortable in a lot of our bullpen guys. But, um, and we saw that this week, we had two good starting performances from Zach Greinke and Brad Keller won both games and then had a starting performance that, uh, is something to be ashamed of. <laughs> and I felt really bad for Chris Bubich because he's throwing those fastballs and he, it's so obvious. He has no clue where they're going. Like, mm-hmm. He's not anywhere. It's not like, oh, they're not giving him the calls. No, they're nowhere close. Yeah. And so, and Eldred goes out there and I think at one point he kind of tells him, Hey, try throwing a curveball and try throwing this. Well, he does that, but the guys are sitting there going, well, he ain't throwing that fastball for a strike. I'm sitting on change up and slider or curve curveball, whichever one he's feeling more comfortable throwing. So uh, as that, that starting pitching goes, we're going to see kind of how the season goes, I feel like. And we talked about that before the season even started. Really curious to see how uh, Hernandez and Lynch do uh, coming up. Yeah, my, my sort of theme for the week is it's a long season, guys. It's it, You know, we're three games in, okay? There was a lot of very uh, upset people on Twitter today, a lot of very <laughs> sort of like uh, histrionics after game three. And I'm like, just, just take a breath, everybody. You know, like there are going to be days like this. It's going to be bad at times. The good news is we need to find out of the starting pitching, who is going to make it and who's not right. Like Keller had a rough day or Keller Coar had a rough day today. He's had a lot of rough days in his major league tenure. It's not time to give up on him yet because I think a lot of it's still confidence issue. He looked like a completely different pitcher today than he's looked like in the minor leagues. 
But ultimately, if he can't make it, he can't make it. And we pull him and he doesn't get to pitch for the Royals anymore. And we find we go with somebody else. They got to have the bad days before we find that out. Right. And so there are going to be some bad days. That's fine. It was cool to see two very fun, interesting and dynamic wins in my mind. So that was cool. But it's a long season. That's all I'm taking away from this is it's a long season. And I'll I'll make a confession. I, I started watching the game today, but I fell asleep from and because I, I wasn't feeling great from some of the revel we had we had at the game yesterday <laughs> um so i'll go back the, and watch the whole thing the 36 but, year old body just doesn't uh doesn't bounce do back like the, the 26 way. year old body did but all the first thing i thought when i woke up and i looked at the box score was well you know what we gave up 17 runs but the great thing about baseball is just one game so that's just one they, loss they don't get to spread that out so we're doing good i i, I put out a tweet that was like baseball is great because in three games you can get out scored 18 to four and uh still go two and one or 18 to seven and still go two and one you know like, yeah it's really nice right? it's awesome they don't get to they don't get to save some of those runs for later <laughs> so if you like what you're hearing please make sure to subscribe rate and review us on whatever platform you use subscribing rating and reviewing helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community If you leave us a five-star rating and good review, we'll make sure to give you a shout out and read a snippet of your review on the next show. Also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Royals Weekly. We're constantly posting new analysis and commentary. So check that out. I don't want to focus too intently on the game today. It's one game. We should never draw too many conclusions from one game. Instead, I'd like to talk about the pitching as a whole over the first three games. That's still not a lot, not enough to draw conclusions about, but it's something. Uh, It's a universal consensus that the Royals will only go as far as their pitching carries them. Mike, what is your impression of the pitching staff over the first three games? Well, overall, I've been impressed. Uh, The bullpen has looked solid. Uh, Of course, not not the guys that are starters that are in the bullpen right now. They didn't look very good today, but the bullpen has looked pretty good like we figured they would, you know, even with some shakiness here and there, but they've helped carry them now. You've gotten two really good starts from Zach Greinke and Brad Keller. If that continues, if you can continue to get that from other guys too, I really, I, I think it can be okay. Now, it's so reliant on can those young guys go though? That's the craziness. Like nobody sits back and thinks, well, you know, we can we can overcome if that those young guys don't pitch very well because we'll hit we'll hit the ball so much, or we can't. Like it literally goes with how they go, and. You know, even if half of them, you know, take a step forward, we'll be okay. But I, right now it doesn't, I mean, what we've seen so far, none of them have taken a step forward. So, right. um, But that's why, you know, it hurts a little bit that way. And that's why we have to be patient is the thing. Like two, like we say the young starters, right? That's Bubich, that's Hernandez, that's Lynch, that's Singer, and that's Kowar. Right now, three of them have, have, have pitched and all three have been bad. There's two still left to go. We don't need all five of them to hit. We don't need all five of them to be dominant. We need at least two, and it'd be great if we could get three of them to be fairly consistent. We'll see what Hernandez and Lynch do in the next two games, but we do have to be patient because this sort of thing is it's just one game. You know, I like to see that the bullpen looks solid. I like to see that Keller bounced back a little bit, but we have to be patient. We can't draw too many conclusions from one outing, one game, that sort of thing. And so I think as we sort of wait and see what do these things look like, we'll gain a much better understanding of what it looks like in the long term. I'll tell you one thing I was semi-disappointed with. I watched the game today. I saw Brady Singer pitch and I didn't see a whole bunch of change-ups from him. And uh, he has to throw that pitch. You know, it's one of those things that's like, we can sort of see what it will take for those five young starters to be successful. 
and we're not seeing it actually take place. I don't know if Jackson Kowar can be successful if we're not seeing the right pitch mix he should be throwing. He threw 51% fastballs today. That's not the best approach for him. That fastball will just get hit way too much if he relies on it so much. He needs to be throwing his changeup most of the time. Singer needs to be throwing his changeup more than he is throwing it. He needs to be locating that fastball. So we need to wait and see when Kowar's pitch mix gets right, when Singer's throwing that fastball with the command he needs to, does he look good enough to be in the majors? If that's the case, then we know it needs to be fixed. Consistent fastball command, a better pitch mix, those sorts of things. But for now, we need to be patient. I think think we know that, but can they do that consistently? You know, we've seen, okay, let's say they flash and go, okay, today Chris Bubich had phenomenal command and was able to, to spot the fastball. Okay, then he can be the Chris Bubich he can be. Can he do that regularly? That's really the problem because we've seen Singer do things, tremendous things in spot starts and, and flashes here in, the, in Major League Baseball, and he still just hasn't consistently been able to do it. I don't know if – I think he's got some confidence issues as well, but until we see – Anybody, you know, there's a lot of guys, especially with the stuff that they have that can do it once and twice or twice or, but you have to be able to do it consistently or what you're going to see is guys getting taken out after an inning and a third. I'll tell or, you what, you know, it's <laughs> if I'm the Royals, I'm making an appointment for both singer and co with the team shrink because I don't know what's going on. The sports psychologist, the guy who is in charge of helping them maintain their confidence and visualize and things like that, because I watch co pitch. He looks completely different at the major league level than he did at the minor league level. I've seen so many of his minor league starts and I'm not talking about like, it's just not working at the major league. No, I mean, literally he looks like a different pitcher. He looks like somebody who cannot do the very same things he was doing when the mat, when he was facing minor league hitters. And I'm talking about locating a fastball. I'm talking about locating a changeup, locating a breaking ball. These things shouldn't, it shouldn't matter who the hitter you're facing is when you're doing, trying to do those things. But for some reason, it matters to him. It, I, there's something going on when he steps on the major league mound, when he's wearing a Royals uniform, he can't throw the ball where he wants to throw it. And it just gets rocked all the time. And so I, Singer's got some issues with that too. I'd get them both in, in to like work on those sorts of things. But yeah, we do need to wait. We need to sort of wait and see because it's going to take time. Yes, it's about consistency, but you won't know about the consistency until they fail or succeed for long stretches. And so and how long do we give long. them? Like, well, is this, is already, this the year? Like, is yeah, it like they've a, already de- they've already designated this the year to do that? And so maybe mm-hmm. we could argue about whether or not it should have been last year. But now we're 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 waiting for 2022. It's the year to see what they've got. Moving forward, as we sort of tack on more and more games and get to see more and more, make the sample size larger. As we're patient with these starting pitchers and with the bullpen guys, what are something you're hanging your hopes on? in terms of what the pitchers are doing so far? Uh, well, I'm kind of hanging my hopes on Brad Keller after that performance, because I think he does have a track record of being able to do it over the course of a season. Um, I think we saw some of the changes that you and I were actually talking a lot about. This is what Keller has to do. You've mentioned locating that fa- the two-seamer down, the, fa- the four-seamer up, and not throwing the four-seamer as much before. And so that... I mean, he came out and he did it and it's like, okay, if he can continue to do that, will he get roughed up a couple of times? Sure. He will. But if he can stay consistent and stick with that game plan, I think he's going to be successful. And I, and I have high hopes for Brad Keller this year. Uh, and then the bullpen stalwarts, those guys that we feel like we can really count on. It's nice to have that in the Barlow, in the Stalmont, in the Brents. It's really, it's really good to have those things. I'm hoping Dylan Coleman can turn into one of those. Cause I think he has the stuff uh, to do that. You know, even Amir Garrett, if he can be a, a guy 
who comes in and, and gives you quality innings, it'll be nice to know that you have that solid bullpen. Yeah, right now they've got the stalwarts. Coleman was a little bit shaky in his first outing, but you know he's got the stuff. You know his yeah. performance. I think he was nervous. Okay. You know, throwing yeah. strikes was tough for him. Uh, Jose Ramirez bailed him out once. and yeah. yeah, Snyder looked okay, I would say, in his outing. Not tremendous, not terrible. And so you're, you're liking the depth of the bullpen, I think, at this point. I'm sort of hanging my hopes on Hernandez and Lynch. They, they haven't pitched yet, so it's all promise at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially Lynch. I think Lynch has the potential to at the very least show us that he's going to be a quality major league starter. Like I, I, of all the 2018 guys, he strikes me as the one with the most likely to sort of at the very least be that a quality starter at the major league level and maybe not give up these huge numbers. And so I'm hoping that he can at least draw weak contact and that sort of thing put the ball in the strike zone, not walk a bunch of people, and then hopefully draw weak contact. And then Hernandez just has excellent stuff. And so we'll see if he can mirror the performance he put together in the second half of last year. The sample sizes are too small for all these guys at this point, but maybe Hernandez and Lynch can sort of pick up that 2018 pitching class, those young starters, and say, like, we're going to be the ones who carry the mantle for this, this generation of starter for the Royals. With that in mind, we need to be paying close attention to this pitching staff over the course of the next few weeks. Mike, what will you be looking at most intently over the next couple of weeks as an indicator of the staff's fortunes, as sort of that marker that says, oh, they're going well, they're, they picked it up, they're doing better, or oh, they're really not doing well? Uh, for, for me, it's the ability to get out of trouble. We haven't seen a lot of these young guys get a guy or two on and then go, nope, shutting it down, or give up a run and I'm shutting that down, you know. I feel like that's something that Zach Greinke does really well. You know, you can't give up the six-run inning, but so many times with that young pitching, starting pitching, that's been what's happened. So if you get into a situation like Chris Bubich did today and you walk the first two batters, okay, can you then say, okay, I'm regrouping and we're stopping the bleeding, if you will, <laughs> for lack of a better term. We're going to stop the bleeding here. And then you're able to then go into the fourth or fifth or whatever, even if you don't have your best stuff, even if you don't have your best command, you're limiting the damage. Over these next two weeks, when guys get in trouble, I want to see, are they able to limit the damage? Yeah, that's huge. And you do see it from some guys. Like Granky does limit the damage very well. James he does that Shields mostly. is really good at this too. He does it mostly by not walking guys. He doesn't get himself into trouble. And so like, you'll see a guy, you'll see Bubich or something. Well, Bubich did it today. You know, he had two or three guys on, he had two guys on at one point and then walked the guy. And it's like, okay, you're, you're killing yourself here. You know, you're, you're hurting yourself a lot. And, and so the ability to throw strikes is going to be key. And I, I think if we look at Bubich or uh, Keller and Granky starts, we see the Royals have placed a huge emphasis on first pitch strikes. They're all about it right now. And the proof is in the pudding. Granky and Keller both dominated with first pitch strikes and that helped them to really quality starts. I'm looking for first pitch strikes over the next couple of weeks and I'm looking for quality strikes right now. Kowar has been throwing strikes, but they're over the heart of the plate and they're just getting rocked. You cannot give up 11 hits in three innings unless you're throwing fastballs right down the middle. And so I'm looking for first pitch strikes. I'm looking for quality strikes. And if they can do that and limit the damage like you're talking about, I think we are talking about some quality starters. I'm not looking for any of these guys to be ace material. But I think the boat has pretty much sailed on Kowar, Bubich, Singer, and maybe even Lynch and Hernandez being aces. I'm just looking for quality starters at this point. 
especially after the game today, I'm just looking for quality starters because after the first two games, people were really excited. We got two good starts after the third game. People were so depressed. They were listening to the Smiths and, you know, just drawing circles on sheets of paper, really sad, sad stuff. (laughs) And so I want to know what's the truth of it, Mike, where are these Royals? Where's the pitching staff somewhere in between? Are they more like the first two games or more like the third? You want the truth? Yeah. I can't handle the truth, but yes, I do want the truth. Um, I like. I think the first two games are really what this is more about, and let me explain why. I could do some bullshit on the fence answer like, well, it's somewhere in between those two, which you're about to do. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, I think it really is those first two games because we've seen that Bubich can be a quality starter at times in Major League Baseball, right? He d- isn't often going to get yanked after two-thirds of an inning. And I think the Royals have done some things to kind of demonstrate and show if you don't put up as a starter, you may not stay a starter. A la Brady Singer is no longer a starting pitcher for this team. And so I think it's going to be more like the first two games where you see now, are we going to get starting performances like that? I don't think so consistently. We would love to, but I don't think that's realistic, but I think it's going to be more of a scratch and claw can we get enough out of our starting pitchers to turn it over to a bullpen and score enough runs to win a game? I don't think it's going to, it's not going to be a, a, we're just getting blown out five and six runs every single game. Like that third game was, especially to a bad lineup like Cleveland. How the hell did they score 17 runs? But I think those first two games are a little bit more indicative of what we're going to see. It's going to be close games. We're going to have to uh, do some things to manufacture runs and our defense a lot of times will help us because we can't, those guys aren't going to give up as many free passes. They can't give up as many free passes if we gave up in that game and stay in the starting rotation. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I actually think that's true. And I was going to give a, a fence city answer, like somewhere in between, but I think what I really mean by that is what you saw this week is probably going to be what it's going to be moving forward, where we'll get a couple of quality starts in a row. We'll get, you know, quality start, you know, four or five games in a row, and then you're going to see a really, really bad one. That's still going to be in this pitching staff, like Bubich, Lynch, Hernandez, Keller, maybe even Granky from time to time. They're going to have days where it's just a blow up. And, and then they bring in singer Coar, and it's a blow up even worse. Like that's what it's going to be sometimes for this staff. This staff is that level of volatile. This staff is that uncertain. And so they're going to be hard to watch at times, but at times I think you're going to see a lot of those quality outings and that'll be nice to sort of hang their hats on. And that'll be the things that we're going to, are going to allow us to win some games. I think, and I hope, I hope that continues with Hernandez and Lynch, but we'll see as sort of things keep turning it over. And I hope you're right. If guys like Bubich or Hernandez or Lynch or whoever keep going out there, keep getting shelled. I hope that it's like, sorry, you're not allowed to be in this pitching staff anymore. We're actually trying to do something here in 2022. And I saw somebody bring this up on Twitter and I was like, man, I didn't really think about that, but doesn't it seem pretty obvious why those reports that they were in on Frankie Montas were probably pretty legit because the Royals probably know, Hey, if we're going to move forward this year, maybe they know that some of those young guys aren't the answer, you know, and maybe Montas was kind of the, okay, at least it's something we can count on. Yeah. And that does make a little bit of sense. I don't want to say that that's the case that we know that that's the case or anything like that. And I don't want to, again, I don't want to give up. I I don't, I haven't given up on singer Coar, 
you know, Lynch, Bubich, that whole 2018 class, they haven't hit the way that maybe we had hoped they would at this point, but it's been one game into the season that they've played so far this year. So let's give them a little bit more time before we bail completely, but they need to get something back on track. I don't know who is in charge of doing that. Well, I do. I know that he's not capable of doing it. And so I wonder <laughs> like, you know, I don't know how they're going to get it back on track, but it needs to get back on track because we're staring like it's it's not imminent, but we're staring down the barrel of getting nothing out of that 2018 pitching class, save maybe Jonathan Bowen. And I would like to state this as the official position for Royals Weekly. Uh, you don't get to if, make those decisions. But if okay. that happens, if we don't get anything out of those, the 2018 class, Cal Eldred cannot keep his job. Can't happen. No, no. I, I think he's got not happen. I think he's got a, like I, I would have fired him last year. Last year, of course, I think everybody knows my position on this. Um, but if Dayton Moore doesn't, somebody call him. Um, but a month into the season, if uh, Singer, Kowar, Bubich, Lynch, if they're looking like nothing has really changed or improved, you have to go in a different direction. You you have to. I mean, it's a it's a monetary issue at that point. It's like you have sunk so much money into those guys being successful. If you're not getting it he has to be out like their personalities, whatever nice guy. I don't care. Like so much money has been sunk into that. He has to leave after the next month. If, if nothing's changed, it's a full slate of games for the Royals this week. They'll finish up this four game set with the guardians on Monday, then down I 70 for a two gamer against the Cardinals before heading back home for a four game series against Detroit. It'll be Aaron Savali against Carlos Hernandez for the end of this Cleveland series. He's a basically like a soft tossing righty who always owns the Royals. It's no big deal. Um, so Mike is going to tell us about the Cardinals because we've already seen plenty of the, of the Guardians. Um, yeah, the Cardinals, the our cross state rivals. We should get Granky versus Jordan Hicks in that first game. Hicks is a 25 year old right handed pitcher, a young guy, big flame throwing guy here. He throws 99 on the fastball, um, has previously been a reliever and really hasn't pitched much since 2020. He was, he had Tommy John in 2019, I think 2018, 2019, and then was recovering, pitched a little bit in 2019, pitched in that COVID shortened season of 2020. And then I think they thought big things were coming for him, but he had some irritation in that elbow and only pitched 10 innings last year. So, and that was across both really double A AA or triple A and major league baseball. So they're hoping for a breakout from him as a starter this year. He's got a fastball cutter and a slider. Uh, that we'll see from him. For our second game, we've got an oldie but a goodie. Brad Keller versus Adam Wainwright. There's Zach Granke, a 40-year-old right-handed pitcher who doesn't throw very hard, but Adam Wainwright's been very good in this league for a long time. Six innings pitch in his first start with giving up no runs. Uh, he doesn't do it with a fastball anymore as much. He's got a fastball. He's got a curveball. That's what he does a lot of damage with. He is the guy who is kind of, I guess, known as the curveball specialist. Adam Wainwright has thrown a good one for a long time. He leans a little heavier on the cutter now, and he's got a change. He tops out at about 89 to 90 miles an hour. Um, so that'll be a good game to see uh, if Wainwright can, how our, how our lineup can handle the crafty veteran in Adam Wainwright. Yeah, they have a pretty old but name-filled lineup in St. Louis. So you see guys like Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, they're in that lineup. Yachty Ooh. still plays for them. They brought back uh, Albert Pujols because they brought back Albert Pujols because the retirement home is close to the stadium, I guess. I don't know. Sentimental <laughs> reasons. I'm not really sure exactly what he's doing there, but uh, they do have a lot of big names in their lineup. We'll see if the Royals pitching staff gets roughed up by them or not. 
I'll be talking about the Detroit series. We don't have any probables for that yet. Detroit is one and two to, so far to this point. They, they're a lot like the Royals. They have this young emerging team. They're hoping that their young pitching staff and young position players can sort of round out and fill out and take strides this year so they can maybe start competing in next year. There's uh, not a lot of expectations, but who knows? If they all start you know, killing it, then maybe they'll be great. These young, these young players are homegrown, a lot of them, or Rule 5 drafted in Akil Badu's taste, or case. But, uh, so it'll be like Akil Badu, Casey Mize, Tariq Skubal, the their number one prospect, Spencer Torkelson, and Riley Green, who is a prospect for them who's hurt right now but was expected to make the Major League team. Really good outfielder. Spencer Torkelson is a great bat in the middle of their lineup, first baseman. Then they went out and they signed some guys this offseason. Eduardo Rodriguez, Michael Pineda, who we wanted the Royals to sign. And then Javier Baez, Javi Baez is the big signing, a shortstop from the Cubs. Really exciting player. So they're a kind of a up-and-coming emerging team, a lot like the Royals are. So it'll be interesting to see which one of those two teams ends up coming out on top in this four-game series they're going to have with Detroit. That's probably the one I'm most excited about is to really see that Detroit series how the two young teams match up because they're developing at the same time we're developing. Okay. How are they developing young starting pitching? I want to know. I want to see how Mize and Scoob will do because they're young starting pitching about the same time as our young starting pitching. So can't wait. I'll to be see going it. to one of those games uh, on Sunday, the Sunday game for Detroit. So hopefully I'll get a good look at one of those starting pitchers and see uh, a nice Royals win out there. We'll end this episode like we end every episode with our Just A Bit Outside segment, where we share something that's caught our interest this week outside the world of baseball. We talk a lot about baseball. Baseball is a big part of our life, but we are very diverse people. We have lots of things going on. And so we want to talk about something that's not baseball for a little bit. Mike, what's happening to your life outside the world of baseball this week? Well, well nothing. Nothing is happening in my life. Uh, <laughs> I take care of baby. Go to work. Okay, but you just made me a liar because I said stuff does happen in your life. So come on. <laughs> well, you know, stuff does happen. I have interests outside of baseball. And one thing I try and consistently keep up with is like cost of living. How much does it cost to live in certain places in the United States? And I do that by like looking at real estate markets, cost of living indexes, things like that. I don't know why this interests me so much, but I often dream of moving to places that are warmer or, uh, you know, getting out of the area just to see new places and stuff like that. And so I thought I'd bring up like, you know, we, I want you all to stop. And if you live in the greater Kansas city area, or even really in the Midwest in general, and realize how fortunate we are to have such a low cost of living. I know inflation has been nuts for the last year and a half ish, but we truly do have it really well, because I was reminded kind of as, you know, throughout the week, like talking to some people, Hey, my, relative just bought this house in on the east coast and they paid astronomical amounts of money for a house that's the same house that I have here for half the cost. You know, you go out and eat here and it costs one thing when you go out somewhere else in on the east coast or the west coast or uh, in the south or whatever, it, it's so much more. So I, I really just this is more of a cost of living appreciation talk. Appreciate that you live in Kansas City and you have access to some really great stuff for not so much money. Like we go golfing for relatively cheap. Oh, that's know. what's huge. Yeah. I can go drink for relatively cheap, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I appreciate this wholly because I'm coming from Charlottesville, Virginia, where everything costs in a friggin' fortune, including houses. And so, yeah, I can I can appreciate a good cheap golf course here because back there, I could, I didn't golf basically for four years. I golfed maybe two times in four years because 
I couldn't afford it. It was just too expensive to golf there. And so coming back here where I can go to places like Hoots Hollow next to Mike's house for, you know, 20 bucks, play 18 or something. So it's, it's relatively cheap. And so I can go out there and have a good time and actually afford to play golf. I love that. Or afford a house. I can afford a house here too, which is <laughs> nice. Um, and so, yeah, love the cost of living in, in the Midwest here. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about another happy thing. We're bringing up happy things today. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about Loose Park. Uh, I never knew about this place before I moved back to Kansas City from Virginia recently. And then now I move in. The, I live in the city. I live right near the Nelson Adkins Art Museum. And that's pretty close to Loose Park. If you don't know what Loose Park is, it's just a park here in the city. And it's amazing. It's actually this amazing place I've been going to a lot lately. Went there today because it's gorgeous outside today. And there were so many people there and they were just out and there's like a rose garden there. And it's just a bunch of like space to walk around. There's a running track and it's just a great place to spend your days that are really nice. I'm really looking forward to getting like a lawn chair and going out there and just parking under a shade and reading. I'm going to do that uh, maybe Tuesday because Tuesday I have the day off. So I'm just going to like go out and spend some time at loose park, maybe lay in the shade, maybe read a book, maybe fall asleep. I like the idea of taking a nap in the middle of the day outside. And so, you know, we'll see on that front, but if you get a chance to get out to a park or especially loose park, go out there, have some fun. People were grilling out there today. So it smelled amazing too. And so like, I just love, I love parks because they're places that people share. They exist inside urban areas where you don't get to be out, like where you don't associate with nature, but there's nature in a park. And so I love the idea that I can just leave my house, walk over to the park or drive very a few minutes over to the park and hang out and hang out in green spaces and feel like I'm in nature. I love that. And so yeah. you get a chance to get out to loose park, do it. It's really dope. Yeah. I've been there one time. Uh, and, and for those of you who don't know, Mark says, I never knew that this existed. That's because Mark and I aren't really from the city. We're from Maryville, Missouri. Uh, so, but I have been there one time and it was a great time. And I also get to see like a thousand different types of dogs there. And so oh, like, if you great? love dogs, oh, it's the best. <laughs> it's the best. Today I saw like a pit bull. I saw another dog that was huge, but also looked like a mop. It was great. It was wonderful. And so if you love dogs, you can just go walk around there and meet a hundred dogs because it's, it's fantastic. It's a wonderful place to be. And so, yeah, head out to Loose Park. It's going to be a lot better weather this week. Let's hopefully it leads to some more hitting for the Royals, some yeah. better pitching for the Royals, and a few Royals victories. How's that sound? I'm totally down for it. All right. We'll see what happens. Until then, be good to each other. And go Royals. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.